besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Now on SENQ 693am. All the news and views from a big weekend in sport. Mornings with Ben Davis. Yeah, g'day. Thanks for lacing them up with us this Monday morning. Look, we need to talk. And when you hear those words from your, your wife, your partner, your boss, it normally doesn't spell good news, does it? But today it's the opposite. We need to talk to prevent bad news. To prevent what happens to Paul Green's family last week happening to yours. And not just Greeny's family. We're, we're talking about the families of eight Australians every single day that take their lives in this country. Shortly, a man who's been there and tipped over the edge, but survived. He's a former professional footballer who's now helping keep your loved ones safe. It is just part of a massive Monday here on SENQ, ahead of Friday night, fate night. This Friday, five minutes and five kilometres apart, the fate of the Lions and the Broncos will be sealed. They'll both play again after Friday night this year, but for how long? That will be determined by Friday night's result. At 7.50, the Lions and Demons at the Gabba, 7.55 across the river at Suncorp. You've got the Broncos and Storm. Now, the Lions, the equation's simple. They win. Top four spot is theirs and a second chance. And it's a chance to, to silence the doubters, but also to reaffirm where they stand in this competition. It's a big scalp, the Demons, a massive scalp. They handed them their biggest loss in about four years earlier this season. If the Lions lose it, they'll still play finals. They'll still get a home final. But it'll be sudden death all the way through. Now, the Broncos and the Storm. That will determine how deep into the finals the Broncos will go. Can they go all the way? Probably not. But there is hope. And if they beat the Melbourne Storm, they will go deep, deep, deep into September. If they lose, I think they'll be making up the numbers. What about you? The numbers you need, 13, 13, 55. You'll hear the thoughts from an immortal today on this. That's right. Mal Meninga, the Maroons Messiah. He will join us after 11 o'clock every Monday here on SENQ. This will be an appointment listening. The Kangaroos coach, the countdown to the World Cup. Where is he at with selections? They haven't had an Australian team since 2019. So can you base that on loyalty? Can you base that on origin? which has been and gone. Or is it finals forms that'll be taken into account? Mal Meninga after 11 o'clock today. Actually, I've got to ask him. He is the Titans high-performance senior consultant. So after the weekend, he'd be pretty happy. But what about the rest of the season? Plenty of questions for Mal, 13, 13, 55. Corey Parker in half an hour, the Monday means test. Three rounds to go in the NRL. There are nine teams who can make the top eight. The Broncos are one of them, but does their former captain think that they can make the top eight? And we will be heading inside the Lions' den after half past 10. I've got tickets to give away, too, to the Lions and Demons this Friday night. Friday fate night here in Brisbane. There's going to be the best part of 75,000 going to Suncorp and the Gabba. It is going to be huge. Now, the other thing we'll be discussing this morning, it made fascinating reading over the weekend, footy's top 100 rich list. But what does it mean, the rich list? 
besides numbers and eye-watering salaries. Who sets the market? Are clubs getting value for money? And who's the most overpriced? 13 13 55 0467 736 736 is the text line. But you know what? It's Talkback Radio. I'd rather talk to you. Which brings me to my snap judgment on a Monday. Thanks to Snap Fitness on a mission to help you feel fantastic. I don't think there's any overplayed players, athletes in sport. A player's worth is what someone is prepared to pay for them. Over the weekend, as I just mentioned, the top 100 rich list for AFL and NRL. It makes fascinating reading and it starts all types of conversations. Are they worth it? Who's the buyer of the season? Have clubs spent wisely? Who's overpaid? And why are they still paying for a player that hasn't played for them for over 12 months? But then there's the bigger picture. Should salaries actually be publicised in professional sport. Across the board, every player who contributes to the salary cap in NRL, it's 9.1 million and change. That's the salary cap. In AFL, it's 14.7 million and change. Should their salaries be made public? In US sport, they are. In individual sports, we see it in tennis and golf, boxing, swimming, athletics. We know how much prize money it is, so we know how much an athlete gets on a weekly basis. Should it be different in team sports? 13, 13, 55, 04, 6, 7, 7, 3, 6, 7, 3, 6. I'd love to hear your arguments for and against on this. Bring them all, all are valid. But for me, I, I, I say no. I, I don't think we should know players' salaries. And for one reason and one reason only. I'm old school. I'm old-fashioned. There's a couple of questions you don't ask in life. You don't ask a, you don't ask a woman her age or her weight. And you don't ask someone what they earn. End of story. For me, it's manners. You don't need to know how much players earn each year or on a weekly basis. Simple as that. You may think something completely different. As a member of a footy club, you might want to know if your board is spending wisely. Are you getting value for money? You pay money as a member to a footy club. And are they spending that money wisely? Not that your membership goes towards a salary cap, but you get where I'm coming from. Do you have a right to know as a fan? And what about team harmony? How much does that come into it if salaries are revealed? You tell me, should players' salaries be made public? That's my, that's my snap judgment. I say no. 13, 13, 55. All thanks to Snap Fitness. They are with you every step of the way. Snapfitness.com.au. All right, six minutes past nine. We'll get to your calls very shortly. But right now, no judgment. None at all. Because said to start us off today, we need to talk. We have to talk as if our lives depend on it because for some of you and some of your family members, it, it will. Sitting across from me right now in the studio is someone who I think is the perfect person to talk to in the wake of Paul Green's suicide last week. I'm not going to tap dance around that either. I'm going to say what it is. It's, it's, it's suicide. Paul Green took his life. And I think that's half the problem as well. In the media, we don't say that word enough. And it's not a pretty word, and it's not something that you want to talk about on a daily basis, but we need to take the taboos away from it. We need to take the stigma away from it. We need to take the mystique away from it. We need to talk seriously about this. Jake Edwards is the founder of Outside the Locker Room. It's an organisation that is founded to help sporting clubs, grassroots and elite levels across the board to deal with mental health. Why was it founded? Why did Jake do that? 
Well, actually, I'll get Jake to tell us. Jake, good morning. Morning, Ben. How are you, mate? I'm okay. It's been a rough week, hasn't it? Yeah, I wish I was sitting here in different circumstances, mate. But unfortunately, I get called into a lot of media work off the back of these unfortunate events. All right, outside the locker room. Mm. Why? Yeah, as you mentioned off the top there, Ben, my uh, background's in AFL football. Um, spent four, four years at the Carlton Football Club. I was the fifth player in my family to play AFL football. My great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father, and my cousin all played over 100 games, premierships. So growing up in country Victoria is a big part of my DNA. If I give blood tomorrow, there'll be little footies floating around. <laughs> um, so I was fortunate enough to get drafted at the age of 17, a couple of weeks out of high school, and spend some time living my dream. Ran out in the MCG in front of 85,000 people, round one, 2008. Chris Judd's first game. You know, what more could you ask for wow. as, a, as a young man? Uh, my earliest memories of my father is out in the paddock with star posts in the ground with PVC pipe over him acting his goals. Dad teaching me how to kick kick, uh, kick goals after school before dinner most nights. And to live that dream as a, as a man uh, and now as a, as a woman, you, you, you get the opportunity to, to realise that uh, I was very, very grateful for uh, to be able to do it. And uh, about two years into my career, I started going through issues with mental health challenges. Um, around the age of 19 years of age, started experiencing anxiety. Um, my depression was to a point where I didn't want to be around the playing group anymore. Um, and I was crying on the way to training. Couldn't understand why. Wow. Um, you know, again, a young, fit man who was living his dream, his perfect career. I couldn't understand why. You know, why was I feeling the way I was? Didn't want to talk to my mates about it. Didn't want my family to know about it. Didn't want my my father, who was again a big figure in the AFL space, and Eddie Collingwood Richmond tragics out there would know Alan Butch Edwards, my my dad. Um, and you know he was an old school plumber. You know biggest forearms and hands you've ever seen in your life. Just an, an old school character. And maybe we we just didn't talk about our emotions or feelings sitting around the dinner table at night. And I just didn't want him to think I was soft or weak. Um, and I just got on with it. And I just thought that I could deal with it myself and things would be okay. And, and as we know, uh, we, we don't, when we don't talk about our feelings as, as people, not just men, but it, it just, it got to a point in my career um, at the end of my second year where it all became too much. And I just had a bit of a breakdown um, where I actually quit football and went back to the farm and sat around the table with mum and dad. And, and the first time they actually could see in me, something wasn't right. Uh, in that moment, my father actually handled it very differently, and you know, put his arm around me and and actually said, "Mate, what's what's going on? You know, you're not you're not right. Um, it's, it's okay, you know, to tell us what's going on." And I just felt this relief come over me, and just you know, just started talking a little bit about it. Didn't kind of go into detail, but because again, I was still a little bit reserved. I was waiting for the backhand over the head, just mm. to kind of shut up and stop being a sook and move on type of thing. Get and on with it. Get on with it. Uh, but. I guess I never gave my father the opportunity to to see how he'd respond in that environment. And he responded very differently to what I thought. And, you know, with, with love and care and put his arm around me and then just said, mate, let's let's do something about it. Let's get some help. Um, so I went off to the football club. I had a contract I had to commit to, which I did, and sat down with a doctor and I was diagnosed with anxiety, uh, depression, uh, just, just as I turned 20 years of age um, at the Carlton Football Club. You made that brave first step. You, mm. you reached out to your family. You spoke to your dad. You didn't expect the, the, the comeback that you did, but that was good. But it didn't. It, it got. It did. It got yeah. worse. It kept going. It? So I sat down with the doctor and um, being young and naive, I guess. I think not even young and naive. I think we still have this mindset today where 
the doctor said, mate, here, pop this pill every day and, and you'll be fine. And I just thought, oh, how good is this? You know, take a tablet and get all my AFL career and play 100 games and everything will be perfect. And I was popping this pill every day, mate, and I, I had no idea uh, what it was. I didn't ask any questions about it. I just listened to the doctor. And um, as time went on, things weren't changing. And I was just getting frustrated. I thought, you know what? This is a lot of shit. You know, I'm just going to get back to playing football, toughen up, mate, stop being soft and just get on with your life and, and train hard and work hard and, and get out there and perform because this is your dream. Mm. Uh, and I did that and I just ignored the advice that I'd got. I went back to my old ways and telling people that I was fine and I'm, I'm the pills are perfect, you know, everything's, everything's good. A byproduct of the pill medication I was on was actually weight gain. And as an elite athlete, I, you know, every two weeks we're, we're getting um, measured for our fat on our body. Uh, and, and we had a thing called Fat Club at the Footy Club where anyone over a percentage, certain percentage of fat, would be your name would be up on the wall displayed in front of everyone until you got under that certain weight level. Um, you, you'll basically go on show for everyone to know that you're overweight. So I'm like, I'm not going to wait. Put my, my, my name up there taking yeah. this medication. So stopped taking that and, uh, and got on with it, mate. And then my footy career came to an end, and that's another story. <clears throat> but essentially um, was promised a world, given an atlas, and then – fell back down the path of just lack the responsibility of the, I, I should have went back and spoke to family and sat down and, and, and said, Hey, this isn't how I expected my career to be. Mm. Um, I don't know what to do now. Like I've had structure and routine in my life for so long and I've, I've got nothing. Literally I'm still waiting today, mate, from the phone call for the football club just to see if you're all right. So th- th- there was nothing in place when I transitioned out of the game. Uh, which was back in 2009. Um, so I just fell down a path of drugs and alcohol. And that was what gave me that life again. So when I was partying and hanging out with people, they wanted to be around me. And that gave me that ego drive and that, I guess, that sense of belonging. And that just fell down a path of of, uh, of addiction. Yeah. Where, you know, it led me to a, a moment in my life where, you know, I, I attempted to take my life one morning after a, a three-day Drug and alcohol fueled bender. Jake, <clears throat> can you talk to us about that moment? I mean, of course. that's that's the most powerful thing. And 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 I hope by this chat, I know we're talking your life in professional mm-hmm. footy, but step away from footy, and this can be applied to any profession. It, it doesn't matter what you do. You can be a you can be a barrister or a barrister. The same the same principles apply here and yeah. and your story. They do. What yeah. happened on that day? Yeah, so I, again, I wasn't in the right mind because I was, had alcohol and drugs in my system. And but my mindset leading into those couple of days was that this was it. You know, I I removed myself from family and friends. I'd given the same bullshit excuse that most men give to their mates that I'm I'm fine, mate. I'm alright. But I knew deep down that I was mm. crushed and I had nothing. Uh, I couldn't give any more. So. Yeah, there was only one result. So I went out and then I come home on a Monday morning and, uh, and yeah, I just I remember looking myself in the bathroom, in the mirror and just just being at ease with what was about to take place um, in that moment. And I, I didn't realise this till after the fact, but I'd actually spoken to my mum about 40 minutes before the, the act and the conversation I had again with my mum at that time was, I'm all right, mum, I'll, you know, I'll call you tomorrow. I've just had a rough day. Yeah, that could have been the last thing that I that I said to my mom. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, just went through the, the motion, mate, of attempting to take my life in my bathroom. And 
Fortunately, a hairdryer cord snapped. And as I was sitting on the floor, I just had this rush of just regret come over me. Um, of this moment of just what the what the hell am I trying to do? Like what? <laughs> how are you here right now? You know, mm. and it wasn't because it wasn't without effort. You know, I'd committed emotionally and physically to the act, and I, I was sitting there still breathing and and realised that you know this could have been this could have been it. And then in that moment, um, my phone had rang and it was my dad. Yeah, he was calling me at that very moment, and I answered the phone and I um and I just I just you know broke down, and. Dad and I had always been, we had a, had a good upbringing like in family and parents mm. and that, but we were never very close in terms of feelings and stuff and that. And it just was a moment where I, dad on the other end, I could hear him. He knew. And the reason I knew, the reason he knew was that after the fact, about two days after this moment, I remember talking to my father and he opened up about his history with suicide and mental health and depression issues, wow. which I which had no, no idea, no idea growing up at all. Yeah, you are listening to a powerful story. It's Jake Edwards' story. He is the founder of Outside the Locker Room. That that story you've just heard has led to this moment, and this is where I want to go now, Jake. We needed to put in context your story. Hopefully, it can relate to some. If it can't, maybe it relates to their mates, someone mm. close to their family. Since that moment and what you've seen moving forward now with outside the locker room, there are so many questions that those who, those who remain, let's, let's, let's call it that. Those who remain, who are asking questions, why every, every person I've spoken to since Thursday, since Paul Green has said, what are the signs? What can we say? Mm. And as you said, they're bullshit excuses about, yeah, I'm fine, mate. How do we get past that? How how do we ask the right questions to get past that? Because yeah. how are you, mate? Yeah, no, I'm good. It's a it's a t- it's a tough one, isn't it? You know, because even I've not been there myself since, and I've spoken with mates, and and you know, deep down, you know, mate, I know you're not right. But at the end of the day, we well, you obviously can't force our mates to do anything and go and get the support and open up and talk. But what we can do is create an environment where they feel safe enough to be able to open up. And one of the things I talk about to many people in terms of supporting your mates, there's two things I'll encourage, because um, this is a, a big conversation, but there's two areas I think everyone can focus on. First one is um, the environment that you're in when you do ask, uh, making sure that it's safe and secure and, and private. Uh, you don't want to do it in an open forum. Very rarely, mate, the two blokes sit down like you and I are right now, eye to eye, talking about something very, very meaningful in yeah. a cafe environment, having a latte. You know, probably not the right environment, but maybe get them out of a game of golf. You know, in the carts where your eyes are facing forward and, you know, you're just chatting about life. You don't have to go in with the hard questions early. Just start talking about how's, how's, your, how's your relationship, how's work going, mate. Generally, the two areas where men feel the most stress in their life is financial and relationships. And if you focus on those two areas, you, you, you're going to get them opening up and talking about about something. They're not going to come back and say, hey, I feel like I've got depression in a sense or I'm having these thoughts. But if you can attach it to, hey, I'm, work's feeling really tough at the moment. There's some financial stress there or my relationship isn't doing quite well. You can kind of tap on the back of that. And then mm. I always encourage everyone to ask the question, have you been thinking of thoughts of suicide? Have you been thinking of taking your own life? And no, directly ask direct. them. Absolutely directly mm. ask them. We don't ask it enough. And there's, 
this idea of talking about suicide and it creating it is the biggest load of crap going around. So if you're concerned about a mate, just ask them direct up, mate, have you been thinking about taking your own life? Language is so important, isn't it? Very, very important. And then follow it up with a support. Mate, I'm here for you. I love you. I want want to be here to support you. And there are moments, mate, examples where it is going to be a part of our our lives, unfortunately. And Mm. we can't always get people to the end game where where they recover. But there are a lot of things that we can do to, to prevent it. And that's one of them. Um, is, is getting the environment right and the, and the questions that you ask. Jack, I'm going to come back at you and say, mm-hmm. I, I would love to have a game of golf. I'd love to get my mates aside, sit down with them, eyeball, but we're all so bloody busy. Yeah. Yep. Bullshit. <laughs> I call bullshit. The reason I say that is because, mate, well, we, we find excuses, we find reasons as to why we're busy. Um, put it in your schedule. Diary it. Make, make it happen. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a part of group networks and uh, a, a network called the Good Good Bloke Society where it's businessmen and wellness where we prioritise meeting and catching up because we don't focus on supporting each other through business but also through our, our, wealth, our health and well-being mm. and golf games and breakfast catch-ups and lunches and Friday afternoon at the pub having a beer, talking about sport. These are things that really men crave and that connection. And we, we do it all the time, you know, but we find outlets that – and we find, oh, sorry, we find reasons potentially to not sit down with your mate one-on-one and, and do it. So my, my push on anyone listening to this is, is find the time, you know, don't wait until it gets to a point where I, I, I'm in crisis, mm. make it regular and make it enjoyable. Go, go camping, you know, play a game of golf, go for a drive down the coast with your mate. Um, it, just in terms of, when you say when you say to a mate, "Hey, you know, are you okay?" and they say, "No, no, I'm I'm fine, mate. All good." Yeah. The, the analogy I want to give to your listeners now is that um, I call it the coaching analogy. Now, using sport right as a vehicle to communicate these messages is we hear it all the time. Your head coach is driving home the same message hundred times a week. Do this, 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 and this. All right, can't get that same message across to thirty players in a playing group. All of a sudden, the assistant coach comes in, messages it in a, a different way to a different player. Oh, it makes sense now. So what I encourage you to do, that if you feel like you're hitting your head against a wall, against a mate, and you, can't, and you know something's not right, go and ask another mate who knows him. Go, hey, mate, I, have you noticed this in, in Benny? Mm. I, I, just, I had a chat with him, and I know he's not right, but maybe if it comes from you at a different time, maybe he, he just might, it might sink in for him. So rather you being the coach, get an assistant coach involved and, and go and get him to, to ask a question. Go, hey, mate, is everything all right? I know you've spoken to, to Jake and he's a little bit concerned, but we, we're all concerned, mate, because we can, we can tell when something's not right. And he, him hearing it from maybe a couple sources just might be the penny to drop because sometimes we don't know. Yeah. Sometimes we don't see it in ourselves. Strength in numbers. I, I, I want to ask you about the right questions to ask, the, the way to, to phrase it, to frame it, and why – Blokes are so bad at, at, at asking and reaching out for help. It's 23 minutes past nine. Jake Edwards, my guest this morning on SENQ. As I said at the beginning of the show, we need to talk. I do need to take a quick commercial break, but can we come yeah, back and keep talking about this? I'll be, you have me all day, mate, if you need me. I'll be here all day. <laughs> this is Mornings with Ben Davis. 
Call 13 13 55 or text 0467 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport, 693 SENQ. 28 and a half minutes past nine this Monday morning. We are doing it a little bit differently, but for a big reason. As I said at the top of the show, we need to talk. And that's exactly what we're doing right now. Jake Edwards is my guest from outside the locker room. Uh, former Carlton player, but also has a very important message, which I want to pick up on. Jake, um, we mentioned about language and and if we want to help our mates, our family members, it's just a bit more than saying, are you okay? Because they come back with, yeah, sure. How do we break down? How do we get into that? How do we get them to open up? How? What questions do we need to ask? What would have helped you? Yeah, well, we've you? spoken already, Benny, just about the environment, which yep. is really important. Um, and also tackling it from a different angle, getting a mate to come in and, and support that conversation. Yeah, assistant coach. But a great example I'll give uh, to make it again relevant to your listeners in the sport environment is... I spent some time with the Western Bulldogs uh, in there working with their group and their team, very proactive in the mental health space, and Robert Murphy, their ex-captain. Mm. Um, and I remember him talking to me one day about that that question you asked, mate, how are you going? And he, he talks about his time as a captain with the young players coming through because it's changed so much, you know, the young blokes coming into the system. And, and he, he noticed something which really caught my attention and, and the advice I'd give to everyone is, when you're in a blokey environment, it's very easy to do some throwaway lines. <clears throat> you know, how are you, mate? You know, how are you going, right? With a bit of a smile, yeah. how, how, how are you? And then I remember he, him, him saying that to young blokes coming in, they'd always give the straight bat, yeah, mate, I'm fine, you know. But when he changed his language and actually sat him down maybe on one-on-one and said, no, nah, mate, how, how are you? You know, with a bit more of a deep tone to it compared to how are you, mate, to yeah. how are you? He noticed that he was getting a bit more of a a deep breath kind of, you know, I mean, I'm actually doing it pretty tough at the moment. Take the take the slang out of it? Yeah, take just the, take the slang out of it and just maybe sit in, a, in a, again, a quiet area and just be a little bit more personable rather mm. than kind of just throwing it around as such. And, and I actually took that example and used it at a couple of people and it actually worked. And I just thought, wow, it's a really powerful thing to get across to people um, you know, how are you, mate? Type of thing, and we're very slang driven here in Australia. We love it; it's great. Mm. You know, we've grown up in the country and sport my whole life, and been around footy clubs my whole life, and the banter and that—it's it, it, beautiful. It's what makes us. You know, Corey sitting here—he he understands it, and it's something when you leave the game, you miss more than you miss anything else. Is the is the club room environment? But I do know that kind of how are you compared to that how are you, mate? Um, it, it holds if, some weight. If you're still getting donuts. What's the next question? Yeah. So the next question you can follow up with is saying, look, mate, I, I know you might not want to talk to me right now, but I, I do think there's something not quite right. I love you. I'm here for you. You've got my number. I'm going to come and ask you again in a couple of days and see if you're all right. The follow-up. The follow-up. Yeah. Always a follow-up. Give it a couple of days. Keep your eye on them. Um, if they're at your work environment or your football club, You've got two or three chances a week to, to do that follow-up. The signs, what do you look for? Well, you know, the obvious signs when we talk about just the, the mood, you know, so yeah. ups and downs, but the mood doesn't mean that emotional kind of sadness either. Some blokes hide it, mate, with the other way. In your face, up and about, you know, because they want to go the other way and try and make sure that no one's going to think that I'm, that I'm struggling. What you need to look for is a change in behaviour. So... Someone that you've known for a but long not time. not necessarily negative, sometimes positive. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Because I've been around footy clubs, mate, again, my whole life. And, and I know blokes that just go the other way. 
And the appalling side so go, mate, you, you're not, you're not normally like this. Is everything, is everything all right? Mm. You know, I, I know you're a bit of a character, but you're not normally like, like this. So some blokes can hide it, mate, going back the other way uh, as well. So, and uh, yeah, other signs are, you know, again, you know your mates better than anyone else. More, probably more so they know themselves. And you always hear of maybe their relationship is under the stress or work. Something's happened at work. And so there are moments you can pick up in a journey of, of your mate. You can step in and go, hey, buddy, I hear something's going on here. Is, is everything okay? Um, it's just picking up on it. <clears throat> picking up on it. I'm taking notes here. And I hope everyone is. When Jake talks about the footy environment as well, you can transplant that into your work environment. Jake, Corey Parker is here for the Monday Means Test. What I'm going to do right now is we'll get Vanessa to give us a news update. I want to come back and intertwine you together. We'll get the Monday means test off and running, but I'm sure there's questions Corey has for you because the big question I, I, I want to ask, and I know Corey is too, that we've never had more availability to help us with mental health. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Black Dog Institute. Wise blokes, don't we use that? We'll answer that question straight after this. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Call 13 13 55 or text 0467 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport. 693 SENQ. Yeah, 24 away from 10. Thanks for lacing them up with us this morning. I've got Jake Edwards in the studio with me. Corey Parker here for the Monday Means Test. Jake and Corey, I, 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 it's the question I posed before we heard Vanessa's news update. Mental health, it has never been more accessible to us. We, 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 know, uh, we know Lifeline, we know Black Dog Institute, we know Beyond Blue, we know Headspace. Why aren't we using it? Why, why aren't blokes using it? And, and I say blokes because out of the eight suicides a day in this country, seven of them are blokes. Why, why aren't we making those calls? Why aren't we reaching out? Mate, you're right. I mean, ever since when I left the game, AFL 2009, it, it, we've had dramatic positive change in the space. And these organisations are still doing a lot of great, fantastic work, having worked with them closely over the years and that. You can see where they're trying to get to. My personal opinion is is that it's too clinical. Mm. It's too clinical-based. People in white coats. We need more. If I can speak from a sporting space for mm-hmm. one second... I've been trying to get the AFLPA for years, mate, to get more encouragement of ex-players. Yeah, you leave the game bitter at times. You don't want to be involved straight away, but get them back involved. Get a mentoring program developed where you can have ex-players come back to their clubs. Carlton Footy Club call me right now, mate. I'd take the call. I'd go back and mentor one or two blokes the year and sit down, have a coffee, and say, mate, this is how I got through it as a person who's played the game, who understands the mental health um, you know, process. This is what worked for me, mate. Let's let's help you get there and, and let's achieve that together. I think that's missing. I think that humanised element, uh, the sharing stories. Another tip for yeah, if you've got a mate who's gone through a tough time and they might not want to open up. I've noticed since I've been come public many years ago now with my story, mm-hmm. mate, I get inundated with people sharing their story with me. So maybe share something maybe a little bit vulnerable with your mate, yourself. Because we've all been through something, Benny. I'm sure you've been through something tough, mate, that you could share with a mate. Yeah. Just to show him, hey, I'm willing to be vulnerable, mate, if you're willing to be vulnerable. And that might just break the Give a little bit to get. Yeah, to give a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, give a little bit back. Um, So I think there's there's an opportunity there for organisations to bring in. um, And they're doing it more and more. um, But I'd be interested to hear Corey's take on it, having 
played the game a lot longer. Well, Corey, I mean, even Kevy brought up on Friday mm. saying that the NRL needs to do more about this in the game. What, what, what do you think? How do you think rugby league is is handling it? Is there enough support? Personally speaking, um, in my opinion, I do think there's enough support in regards to you know all the all the organisation you just spoke of. So, but back to what Jake just touched on, it is too clinical, in my opinion. So for me, I, whilst that's terrific and we need that, we need those organisations from a um, alpha male point of view. How do you change that? So how do you shift the focus? So for me, you know, instead of talking to people where they're a long way down the road to where they are, how do we change those footsteps way back when? So um, for professional sports people, yeah, there's some big voids that need to be filled. But even from just normal day-to-day stuff, so signs, what's a sign? Like from a medically proven, you know, from the professionals, there has to be some signs along the way that change uh, before you get to that point down the road. Because generally when you're down the road and you're at that point where you pick up the phone and you ring somebody, it can be too late. Or or it can have been dealt with a lot differently, you know, some weeks, months, years prevention, prior. Prevention, get in early. Prevention, so to get in early. So what are those signs? So yeah. for me, look, it's a real delicate situation, conversation for everyone to have, right? But um, I'd like to see the focus shift from – okay, well, there's institutes just pick up a phone because the reality of it is it's hard to pick up a phone, right? But from a mate's point of view, let's look for some We don't want to show vulnerability, do we? Let's look for some signs. Let's look for change in regards to how, before we get to that point where you pick up a phone, how that changes. So, um, yeah. How, how, How hard is it? How hard is it to be vulnerable? I mean that that's that's it's the ultimate giving out, yeah. isn't it? For you don't want to be vulnerable in front of your kids, mm. in front of your your partner, in front of your mates. But yeah, yeah well, it's you it's learned it's learned behaviour, isn't it? Really, mm, uh, it to, to some degree. Yeah. Um, if Habits. You've grown, if you've grown up in a household where, um, yeah, for example, that you haven't seen vulnerability from from a proud um, Australian father like I've got. Um, you know, very proud and, and, and didn't show a lot of vulnerability. I'm sure as everyone went through ups and downs in life. Um, yeah, for me, I'm a little bit different in that regard. Um, I, I'd like to think that I do show some vulnerability to my kids and it's okay to do that. Of course. Um, so a lot of it is learned behaviour. Um, that's not to say that we're all brought up wrong or mm. right or however, because we've all got decisions to make at different points. But um, just understanding that it is okay to show some vulnerability. I I think we're right now in a generational change. Mm-hmm. The fact that the three of us mm-hmm. sitting here roughly the same age talking about this mm-hmm. and then showing our kids mm-hmm. to, to do that. And, and actually the conversation I had with Beck, my wife, when I got home, it, as parents, we always worry about our kids and, and this could be them. The fact that they're now exposed to social media, locked away in their rooms, their phones, they can. there's no escape from whatever may be troubling them or who may be troubling them. But she said, now, you know what, I think I think our kids get it. Like, there's so much chat about it. It's just, I'm worried about you, as in me, and, mm, and, mm. and my mates in our age, mm. because it's, it's our age group, the 40 plus, knocking on the door of 50, sorry to put you blokes into that category, but that's, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's the, the prime... And also, Benny, we know right now, mate, the stats say that right now, during COVID, we would have thought that our mental health would have been at its worst. 
It's not true. Right now, it's at its worst. Coming out of it. Come, like, right now, as we sit here. Yeah. Um, the financial stress. Yep. As again, I come back to two key, key areas that men especially find it. Um, what's where, as men, we're also, we, we can, when we get to that point of explosion, we're very erratic. We're very emotional. And we do things and act on things a split second. Mm. Um, and financial stress and relationship stress causes them the most. Um, so revisiting again, taking control of financial positioning, uh, relationship, working on them. It's there's certain areas, mate, that that really can can help, and and those two areas are, are really really important. Jack, what I've taken away from this, uh, there's a lot I've taken away from this, but one of them is, is the follow up. If if you don't get the answer you'd need or are looking for to start with, let's follow it up. And I actually want to book in and follow up with you maybe in a month's time we come back and revisit this we we, we, we talk more we, we we open we open more doors and we keep talking because yeah. it it's not it's not that it's not changing but the more we talk about it the more sadly what the green family has to go through hopefully other families don't and the more we talk about it the better if you've been listening to this now and you've missed the first part of it uh, or you maybe texting your mate to say hey Get on and listen to SENQ right now. We're, we're getting this and putting it online, podcasting it. It'll be up in a matter of minutes. It'll be out before lunchtime. I know that. Send it to your mates. Send it to your family and say this is the best half hour and the most important half hour you'll need to listen to to, to help and to try and change things. Mate, I just want to touch on one last little thing around. Yeah. Um, Brayton has to come out during the week talking about the mental health round, the NRL. It's about time our codes – get a good kick in the ass and do something about this. Because five years ago, mate, I sat down with the AFL trying to get them to do a mental health round. Um, and Five years ago? Five years ago. Mate. Look, this is before Danny Frawley. This is before. I'm not saying it would prevent any of them. I'm just saying that the only benefit in this is saving lives. And their concern was around the conversation suicide causing more of that. Yeah. Right? Now, I was booked to speak at an AFL club at one point. All right, to go in and talk to players about very much what we've spoken about here today. Um, and it got pulled by the, again, the the clinicians in the club because they didn't want the conversation of suicide happening inside their four walls with potentially it creating it, which we know is the biggest lot of shit going around. Right? So we as a codes, we need to do more and we need to do better. And you can share stories of hope, mate. It doesn't mm. have to be focused on... The, the, you know, the, the, the unfortunate emotional stress, it, it can be hope. Exactly. And this is what I hope that having this conversation turns into a positive and, and, and gives us hope because hope is what keeps us going, keeps us going indeed. Jake, if you can stick around, we are going to talk and turn into hope and we're going to talk into the hope of sides coming into the top eight, Corey, the Monday means test. And I know it was a very clunky segue, but this is how we're getting into it. When it comes to round 22... There are now nine teams left that can have that hope to get into September. How do you see it? Who do you see going through? I'll get your thoughts on that straight after this. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. 
call 13 13 55 or text 0467 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport, 693 SENQ. Yeah, nine away from 10. Important discussions we've just had. Uh, check it out on our uh, uh, podcast, which you can pick up at iTunes or Spotify. And we're putting it out on the socials as well. Monday means test with Corey Parker. Cosa, we're having a look at the top eight. Is it locked in now oh. or can Canberra come through and knock the, I'm going to say knock the chooks out, but the Broncos really it's aren't not, home It's either, not locked they? in stone, no. So at the moment, it's a top nine. I think below the nine, uh, yeah, that being Canberra, it's uh, they're just making up the numbers or yeah. spoilers for the rest of the season. So for Canberra, uh, they've got the Knights, Manly, and the Tigers to finish. So relatively softer draw. Uh, but you mentioned about the Roosters, who are currently sitting sitting in eighth. Brisbane have jumped uh, the Eels all on 28 points. Roosters on 26. Raiders on 24. So the Roosters for mine, they got Tigers, Storm, Bunnies. Now, let's no, assume tough. they win tough. two of those, yeah. which I think they will. Uh, they'll go through. Now, the Brisbane, they've got Storm, Para, and the Dragons. Mm. Um, let's assume, let's just assume, worst case scenario, they win one of those. Uh, I think they're okay, locked in there on 30, depending. It, it, it's not a lock yet. So uh, for the Raiders, they, it's simple for them. They need to continue to win. I think for the Roosters, they need to do the same. And the Broncos, just they need to take the rearview mirror out of the car and look forward instead of backwards. I, I, think, I think the Raiders can do it. Yeah. The Chooks, though, are on fire. They've won they're five straight. So... The question I want to put to you, Corey, and, and it's question without notice. So we might come back to this unless you've got an answer no, straight away. Go. But which team would you not want to meet in September? Mm. Based on, we've just come out of round 22, three Based rounds on what to I've go. seen so far, yeah. um, the Roosters. Um, they have been there. They're a, they're, they're a club that understands this type of football. Uh, Trent Robinson has spoken openly about getting the timing right. They lost four in a row. They have now won five in a row. They are humming along quite nicely. They have the talent. They have uh, some great youth, some wonderful experience. Um, and I think their run is, is time to perfection. Now, South Sydney are also in that same bowl, uh, mould. Uh, they've got some individuals there, mainly Luttrell, who can simply pick that team up and take them where they need to go. Without Luttrell, they can't do it. So injury is going to be a big concern if there is one there. Uh, and the Melbourne Storm. You just cannot ride off the Melbourne Storm. I thought we what saw about that. You? It's like going to the Ecker and picking showbacks. Mm. It's kids, just pick one. No, you just pick three. <laughs> so you want one. One. Yeah. Roosters. You know- <laughs> <laughs> I picked three. I only bought one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Outstanding stuff. Corey Parker and the Means Test here on SENQ693, your home of sport here in Queensland. We are closely approaching 10 o'clock. We're going to continue this conversation. We'll step through the Broncos, the Cowboys, and even the Titans. Oh, my God, they had a win. We'll see what Corey thinks of that very shortly. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Call 13 13 55 or text 0467 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport. 693 SENQ. Sarah from Belimba has texted in. She just said, Ben, that was powerful radio. I listened with my son. I'm so glad that Jake survived. So 
Jake, thank you for sharing. Uh, Corey, we are going to be back after Vanessa's news. The Monday means test continues. We'll head inside the Lions Den. have tickets to give away to Friday night. Friday night, fate night. That's right. Lions and Demons and then Mal Meninga coming up after 11. It's a big Monday morning here on SENQ 693, Queensland's new home of sport. On SENQ 693am. All the news and views from a big weekend in sport. Mornings with Ben Davis. Broncos on the live ladder. Find themselves in sixth place. Reynolds for Cobo! Cobo comes down. He's got a hat trick. Yeah, there we go. Selwyn Cobo from Saturday night. A hat trick for the Broncos. They broke a two game losing streak. They're up 18-0 at halftime. Corey Parker on the Monday means test. Corey, I know you were in the Fox studio Saturday night and your words were prolific, I thought, at halftime. 18-0 up. Yeah. If Brisbane think they're a top eight team, they need to go on with this. They need to put the foot down and put the Knights away. They didn't. No, they didn't. I mean, 28 points to 10 was the final score. 18-0 at halftime, as I mentioned. But um, I just want to, I don't want to sound like a neg- negative Nelly in that regard because the Broncos got away with two points, but they are coming into the semifinals. They are coming into the semifinals. They are not quite locked in as yet. Now, they had an opportunity at 18 points up against the Newcastle Knights who were diabolical. They were awful. Um, could not score points. Uh, the Newcastle Knights uh, completed about 12 more sets than the Broncos they had 77 tackles inside 50, 36 inside 20, and couldn't find that across the line. Uh, yet the Broncos, they bumbled around, they stumbled, they ended up finding 18 points before half time, and they didn't go on with it. They had an opportunity to really go on with it in the second half, um, and, and, and they didn't, um, but they did get the job done. What do you put that down to? Well, they're in a bit of a holding pattern at the moment, in my opinion, for the Broncos. They have achieved so well this year. Um, they've done exceedingly a lot better than probably most thought. Um, and my hand's up there too. I didn't think they would be that high up in the competition at different stages. The last few weeks they did come back down. Um, whether they are having the hangover that I've mentioned about origin and they're still finding their feet after that, uh, but that, their litmus test will come this week. Melbourne Storm, yep. Suncorp Stadium, their arch rivals, uh, and Melbourne found some great form against Penrith the other day, so this will be their litmus test coming forward. Well, I, I may mention of this at the beginning of the show. This is Fight Friday Night or Fight Night. Yeah. I'll spit it out. See, I've, I've tripped myself up. Friday Night, Fate Night for both the Lions and Broncos, yes. both playing at the same time. There's going to be the best part of seventy-five thousand in southeast Queensland, sitting at various stadiums, be it Suncorp or be it the Gabba. I say that because even though the Broncos will keep playing after mm. Friday night, it's how deep they'll go into the yes. finals. If if they if they do well against the Storm, if they beat them, geez, that gives them a lot of hope to go deep in September, doesn't it? Well, it certainly does. Um, but it'll certainly give them a real good indication of exactly where they're at. Now, mm. I've got no doubt, there'll be, and this is just human nature, there'll be some individuals within that 
organisation or team that think they're going a lot better than what they really are. There's some real realists in that team. The experienced guys, speaking to Adam Reynolds after the game, he wasn't impressed. Wasn't impressed with the second half. Yes, they got the two points, but um, a lot of work to be done. Uh, so they've they got a lot of youth in that side, so they need some real hard, um, real conversations this week. Coming up against Melbourne Storm, who have been there time and time again over the last two decades. Uh, mm. And, and you know, they fired a shot last week against an understrength Penrith side, but they fancy themselves against the Broncos. They've got a terrific record against the Broncos, nearly an 80% win record. It's incredible the win record that the Melbourne Storm have over the Broncos. Second to that, they love playing Suncorp. 13-13-55, so. Corey Parker, our guest. As he is every Monday for the Monday Means Test. If you've got a question for Coza, uh, now is the time to ask it. Um, we, I, I love this time of year, Corey, mm. because we put out our bold predictions. We do it every week, yeah. the Monday Means Test. And I think the first time that you and I spoke in the studio, we'd written the Melbourne Storm off. Their season's done. <laughs> they can't. Now they have just buried Penrith. And they buried like, the first time in nearly a decade. It was seven yeah. years holding them scoreless mm. <laughs> in their own backyard. Well, the last team to hold Penrith scoreless was the Melbourne, Melbourne Storm. Storm. Yeah. Um, but look, let's not get too carried away. They had five stars out, Penrith Panthers. No Luai, no Kikau, no, uh, no Cleary, no Taylor May. Uh, there was a few players out. Kikau did play, rather. Um, so they did have a few out. And but they're they're going to be like but that. Melbourne gonna, didn't yeah. have Jerome Hughes. Yeah, um, Pappenhausen's Pappen not there. Yeah. They get this time of year, don't they? Um, they they just do. I, I still don't think they have the team to beat Penrith on their day. Um, I, I just so think at full strength, Penrith still go through. I, I firmly believe that. Yep. Um, I, I just think Melbourne's right edge uh, are too inconsistent defensively, and off the back of that, I don't think they can go where they need to go. Uh, deep into uh, September. All right, let's talk Cowboys. Uh, they were shot down by the hot chooks. And I say hot, five in a row. Mm. Uh, the Roosters, 32 to 18. Yep. Were you concerned about what you saw from the cows? Not really. Not really. I mean, the cows have shown this year that they have been up for a long time. Like They have put performances together for a long time now. Highly emotional week for the club and some individuals within that side. Uh, they play against the Roosters who have now picked up their fifth win in a row. They're in a really good groove at the moment, the Roosters. Um, I'm not too concerned about the Cowboys. Second best defensive team in the competition. I always bang on about defence, but it wins comps. It just does. Yeah, and, I, and I look at that game, and everyone from the Roosters' front row, the two props and the hooker, yeah. score. It was a weekend of scoring for props, Benny. <laughs> they all got a try. and then Th- the couple... Th- 13 tries from front rowers. How good. It gives me a smile. <laughs> it gives me a smile. Yeah. Um, but... If you have an entire front row scoring against you, mm. what's your middle defence? Yeah, look, like? they were off. They were off. There's no two ways about it. They were off in that regard. Uh, you ask the question, am I too concerned? No, I'm not. I mean, when you look at you know, their starting middles, I mean, Jason Taumalolo had 68 run metres. Like, that's that just numbers you don't even put alongside Jace. Cohen, Is that an off day for the Cowboys? Cohen, Is that a great day for the Roosters Cohen, middle? Cohen Hess had 16 run metres, starting prop. Uh, I, I just think... The Cowboys have been up for a real long period of time. They had a short turnaround going into that game. Um, highly emotional week. They'll write that one off. They'll be better come this weekend at home. I know yesterday was the last day of the Echo and the rides up, down, flipping around, and it seemed like that was this weekend of footy, round yeah. 22. You were sitting on the sideline at Seabus at Ravina watching the what, – what the hell were you watching? We're, we're, <laughs> we're looking at a team, Manly, full of superstars who were fighting for their season, season. against the team that's yeah. sitting bottom of the ladder. Now no longer sitting bottom of the ladder because the Titans all of a sudden 
remembered how to play. Yeah, they did. Um, so much so they put 44 points on the Manly Seagulls, who, as you said, were fighting for their season. They were clinging on life support going into that game. Yeah. Desi Hasler was coaching game 300 for Manly. There was a lot riding on that, and they threw in a performance that was very, very, very disappointing. Um, yes, the Titans won, and they did a really terrific job because uh, Tino Fa'asua Malawi's partner, Jordan, was giving birth on the day. Fair excuse not to be there. Yep. But losing their best player on the, the day of the game was going to be a difficult one. They got it They got it done. Uh, so the question is, well, where has that been? Yeah. Where has that been all season? All right, well, what does that tell you then? Does it, does it say that whatever has been going on with the Titans and everyone's pointing fingers and looking at Justin Holbrook, mm. But then the players have to own responsibility. Where does a performance like that come from and, and who's responsible for it? Well, look, first and foremost, the players have got to own their own performance. They, they just do. Yeah. There's got to be some accountability and responsibility. I firmly believe that in all performances. So why does uh, it take them 11 weeks? It's Magic yeah, Round was the last question. time they won. Yeah, 10 weeks ago, Magic Round, yeah. as you mentioned. So uh, it's a really good question, though. Manly Seagulls quite simply didn't turn up. Um, the, the Titans are a better side than where they were. They were dead last on the, in the competition. Um, Has the Pride jersey done more damage to well, Manly than we, than interesting we think? To hear, yeah, interesting to hear the comments from Daly Cherry Evans was saying that, yeah, no, that there hasn't affected them at all. However, our football's not suggesting that. They haven't won a game since. No. Haven't won a game since that day. So, and their, their season's gone. They're finished. They're done. They're, they'll make up the numbers for the rest of the season. They may spoil a few people on the way, but their season is effectively over, which is really disappointing considering where they were at yesterday. Coming to the game yesterday on life support, they were still an opportunity to go further in this competition. Desi Hasler's 300th, and they tossed up that. I want to turn our attention to the Bulldogs because they've got a new coach as yeah. of next season. Cameron Serraldo signed for, wait for it, Sit down, everyone, if you're not already, if you haven't come across this news, a five-year deal for a coach who has never been a head coach before. Five-year deal. So let's go back and see who was the last coach to have a five-year deal. Anthony Seabold at the Broncos. He was. Benji Marshall. Yeah. He's just well, recently he, signed a five-year deal. But he hasn't done anything. No, that's right. Yet. No, that's fair too. So uh, all, right. all, all the raps on Seraldo. I mean, he, he he's coached a 20 side by himself. He's been involved in the... Penrith Panthers system, then both assistants at the Panthers have now landed head coaching roles. They're doing a lot of things right now. Um, Five years. One of my colleagues, Brandy Alexander, has a huge opinion of him, um, and and as does every other player that's come out of that place. Five years, Corey. Five years is a long... (laughs) The interesting thing, this is is the beauty of rugby league, right? Gus Gould took over the Bulldogs, and he was very open and honest in saying that their next coach will be an experienced coach and he'll do this and he'll do that. They sign an inexperienced coach for five <laughs> years. So throw well, it up in the air. All right. I, I, I see I see the sense behind it where you can go, right, this is stability. Yeah. Locking this bloke in for five years and you're wanting to attract the best players and they know who their coach is going to be for the next five years. I, I get that. But, but wasn't that exactly what was happening at the Broncos with yeah. Anthony Seabolt? Yeah, well, there was a... Fair bit happening at the Broncos with Anthony Seabold. So mm. that's a story for another time. But uh, Cameron Serralda, I don't know the terms of the five years. It could be a three-year with two-year option. I'm not sure. There could be some uh, you know, bonuses involved there. I like it. Now, the only way you get an opportunity to coach in first grade is by coaching first grade. Um, you know, Trent Barrett had coached Manly Seagulls. He, he then went and coached at 
uh, reserve uh, assistant at Penrith before then going to the Bulldogs. Seraldo is a completely different person. He's got a great temperament. I've had a little bit to do with Seraldo. Uh, he's got some wonderful players. That's the other thing. He's going to a club. They've got Kikau. They've got Reed Marnie there next year. They're, they're finishing this year with a big bang. Um, I think he'll be okay. All right. Speaking of finishing with a big bang, uh, before I get your prediction for Bronco Storm on Friday night, mm. I need your best Mel Meninga story. This is Question Without Notice because Mel coming up after 11 o'clock joining the SENQ family. Uh, you've been coached by him, Corey. He was part of the, the dynasty mm. for Queensland, obviously, the Australian coach. He's got some big decisions to make. I can see your mind ticking over the I'm just trying to think what stories are, are valid to tell on radio. <laughs> <laughs> I knew exactly that's where you were going. What makes him that coach then? You came into that yeah. dynasty. Well, he yeah. demands enormous respect just from his playing career and obviously what he was able to do and achieve in the game. Um, from my experiences with, with, with Mal, that's what does make him so special. He's just that presence, that that persona, that that personality he has, no matter what room he walks into. I've been in rooms when there's been some pretty heavy hitters and they all gravitate towards Big Malcolm. So in the Origin Arena, the biggest thing he brought back that, that was evident to me was the history. Why you're playing for the Maroon jersey. Mm. What that Maroon jersey is like. Why it is so special. And he had he was dealing with 17, 18, 20 of the best players in Queensland. And you got some pretty fair players that believe in the story that's being told um, from a person like Mal. Um, so powerful, so powerful. Like, in terms of technicalities of the, of the game of rugby league, there's I, I've been coached by some really technical people. You know, Tim Sheens would probably be the best in that regard. Real innovative style. Mal gets the DNA of what the game needs, particularly origin, particularly origin. And he really sort of enforced that to the group uh, and, and that resonated towards all the players. Big Malcolm after 11 o'clock this morning here on a CNQ. If you've got any questions for Mal, 13, 13, 55. Corey, before we let you go on this Monday morning, Bronco Storm, Friday night. Mm. Where do you see your old team? Who do you see winning? Oh, Based, if I'm basing purely on performances, what I've seen over recent weeks, well, Melbourne, you'd have to probably lean more towards them. Now, I, I certainly hope the Broncos can get the job done. It's going to be extremely difficult. The fact that Melbourne love playing the Broncos, got a terrific win record against the Broncos, throw Jerome Hughes into that mix. Also, it's going to be an, it's, it should be an absolute cracker. Now, I, I hope Hughes plays, and I want to see the show off, showdown between Reynolds and Hughes. All right. I, I should have been better. Mm. And asking that question, who's going to win? I mean, where, where, you know, I need to I ask. I didn't give you an answer, did I? No, but no. Here's, here's the question that should have been asked. You've been on the Broncos coaching staff. Yep. Let's put your coaching hat back on. Yep. Who do you target? What do you do? How do you beat the Melbourne Storm? Well, I, I target the middle. I, I target the middle of the Melbourne Storm and try and tie them out quite well. And then when you've tied them out and you've generated a fair bit of uh, play the ball speed through the middle, Get out to their edges. Hetherington and Jensen, for me, can do that. Particularly to their right-hand side. Uh, so that would be Marion Seve, our left-hand side, so Corey Oates and co. Um, I'd really like to see some fast, uh, direct running through the middle. Mm. So tie up their middle with some you know, with some defensive um, workload and then get out to that left-hand side, which is their right. 
All right. You've heard it here first. Corey Parker, the Monday means test. Maybe we'll catch you this time again next week uh, here on SENQ. 6.93am, Queensland's new home of sport. Coming up to 19 minutes past 10. We'll head inside the Lions Den, not too far away. Take some of your calls. Oh, I've got tickets to Friday night too. Lions and Demons at the Gabba. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Call 13 13 55 or text 0467 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport. 693 SENQ. Yeah, collecting our thoughts this Monday morning, 24 minutes past 10. 18 degrees too, looking at a top of 22. And it's going to be sunny, sunny, sunny all the way through till at least Wednesday, which is a fantastic start. But Friday night here in Brisbane is going to be... Friday night, fate night. There we go. If I'm going to trip myself up, I'm just going to throw the Fs out there. Friday night, fate night for not only the Brisbane Broncos, but the Brisbane Lions. We'll be taking you inside the Lions' den, plus tickets to give away to the Gabba. They play the Demons. I'm not, I'm not convinced yet on the Brisbane Lions. I think they have the team to go all the way. I'm just not sold. And the only reason behind that is have they really put them away. Geez, they, they escaped on Friday against the Saints. That was the great escape. Max King, if he could just get a few off the boot going straight, it'd be a very different story. But right now, they do have their own fate in their hands. A top four finish, a double shot at that comes if they can win. Jared Lyons straight after, straight after Vanessa's news at... 10.30. Let's go to the open line. We'll get our first callers away for the day. 13.13.55. Todd, good morning to you. Manly is on your mind. Yeah, we're going to be in dire straits next year, Benny. <laughs> Hang on. When you say we, do not throw me into a manly camp, all right? We, you, you are going to be in dire straits because, as you know, everyone hates manly, right? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Settle, champion. No, no, no. I am... Um... With Foran going to the Titans yep. and Walker going to New Zealand, mm-hmm. Schuster's not a 5'8". Schuster's not a 5'8". You're not sold on him. I, I like nah. him. You know what? I, I think he. I think you're right. He's not a 5'8", but what I do like about him, he's a footballer. He, he can play what's in front of him and he just does it, – It's you know, there's teams, there's players that are just footballers. They may not have a suited position, but they're footballers. It's not giving you much hope, is it, Todd? No. <laughs> yes. Can we go? Can we back to go back? Go back to um, sales and skill, mate, because it isn't really wise. But no, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it, it, that was just so demoralising yesterday. And yeah, and you know, I'm also an Essendon fan, so geez, my TV copped a bit of a hiding yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and, and your season has as well. Hey, Todd, thanks for being part of the show. Uh, keep listening. We have Lions tickets to give away as well. Even for Essendon fans, you're welcome there. What about Todd? He's up against it, isn't it? Manly fans? No, no, no. They're a bit like Collingwood fans, aren't they? We all know that. Everyone hates Manly like everyone hates Collingwood. 13-13-55. I'm ragging on Todd, aren't I? 27 minutes past 10. Uh, this one, Michael from Cooper Thank you, mate. On the text line, he said, Ben, enjoyed the chat with Jake. I'm no expert, but all we've heard over the last few years is reach out and confide in someone. I think the conversation has matured such that now we can take it to another level. Time for some second phase play. Hey, Michael, I like where you're going here. What would assist more is outlining what happens after you reach out. 
and explain the pathway to a better future and the rates of success in following that pathway. We need people like Jake to tell everyone that their what their second phase story is and how they won their mental health grand final. Far more important than a footy grand final. Michael, I love this. I'm going to say text of the day, text of the week, possibly even text of the year. I know we're in August. We've only been on the air for a few weeks, but that nails it, doesn't it? Second phase play. We were talking to Jake Edwards this morning, and if you missed it, I implore you, get onto the podcast. Download the SEN app. It's the best way to listen to us. All the podcasts there are from the show. You can do it via iTunes or Spotify and listen to Jake Edwards' chat. Because, as I said at the beginning of the show, we need to talk. Normally not the words you want to hear, especially if it's from your wife, partner, or boss. But in this case, it was good news. Jake had his story but came through the other side of his battle with mental health, of his battle with trying to attempt to take his own life. And in the wake of what we've all experienced last week, the the, the, the sadness, the shock, the disbelief, some even anger with Paul Green, there needs to be the message put out there, what can we do? What questions are there that we can ask? The right place, the right time, the right language. Jake stepped through that. Download it, tell your friends, share it with your friends. Find us on Twitter, SENQ, Facebook, Instagram. The link will be up there. I implore you, it's the best half hour and the most powerful half hour that you'll experience. Coming up in the next half hour, though, my old mate, Crash Craddock, is here to talk the top 100. That's right, the top 100 rich lists as far as AFL and NRL are concerned. The millionaires, but not just the numbers. They're eye-watering and they're numbers that we will never, ever experience in our lifetime. But what does it mean? What does it mean for your club? What does it mean for the game? Who's overspent? And who sets the market? The question I asked to kick this off this morning, should players' salaries be publicised? They are an American sport and we know what prize money individual athletes win when it comes to tennis, boxing, uh, swimming, golf. But in a team sport and a team environment, should a player's contract and how much they earn be public knowledge? 13, 13, 55. I, I say no. And basically, on the sheer basis of it's just manners not to ask how much someone earns. It's a bit like asking someone's age or weight, really. You just don't ask it, do you? Or is it different when it comes to pro sport? 13, 13, 55. 0467736736, half past 10 this Monday morning. Vanessa Gibson, hello. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Call 131355 or text 0467736736. 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport. 693 SENQ. Yeah, fascinating reading over the weekend. The NRL and AFL's rich list. Fascinating? Well, because we are all interested, aren't we? Are we voyeuristic? Are we just curious as humans? But as I just told you before, I'm old school. Jury's out for me on disclosing an athlete's salary. The numbers were there over the weekend and for both codes. What does it mean, though, going forward? Besides the eye-watering amounts, the telephone numbers for some of the players, what, what do they actually tell us? 
Well, the best man to dissect this is my great mate from the Courier Mail, the publishers of The Rich List, and you can find it at Rich100. That's the number, rich100.com.au. Crash Craddock, a very good morning to you, Crash. I didn't see your name on The Rich List. (laughs) No, I came in uh, unofficially at number 794. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's good. You beat, you beat me. I was probably, I'm, I'm four. I'm 1,092, <laughs> maybe, even. <laughs> and both of us had red arrows, as in going downwards towards <laughs> retirement. But look, Ben, it is an interesting exercise. What we found in the newspaper industry, the media industry, is people are fascinated by what people earn. And it's an amazing thing where it's caused so much debate at the rich list, as you said, on rich100.com.au. People still want to read it, as in who's overrated, who's overpaid, who should be getting more. And the comparison between the codes too, Ben, I I think you'd agree that dollars mean more in rugby league. Dollar debates mean more in rugby league because we've seen guys like uh, Anthony Milford, Ash Taylor... Uh, and also um, Fafita, David Fafita, gets saddled with the Million Dollar Man tag, which has been a ball and change room. In a way, it's not really an AFL, is it? They don't no, talk crash. money as much. And, and you're right, I was having a look at that. Where, And again, I'm, I'm, I'm a hypocrite in a way because I, I don't think player salaries should be publicised, not in a team event, not in a team of sport, and we'll go into that a bit later, but when you have a look at the numbers, there are nine... AFL millionaires, players who earn over a million dollars a season, and NRL, it's eight. So it's 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 comparatively they're the same numbers. But you're right, we throw more weight on the NRL millionaires. Is it because it's the working class game, and 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 heaven forbid someone earns a living from this game? Yeah, and there is a little bit of that, Ben. But I also think it's because in the NRL the Salaries seem to leak out uh, better than they do, or worse, if you if you don't want them leaked out, yeah. more than they do in the AFL. In other words, everyone knew that Anthony Million, Anthony Milford was a million-dollar man, whereas in the AFL, th- there's just that little bit of grey area about it, whether a guy's getting nine fifty or whether he's getting a million dollars. They're kept much more secret, and, and they're, they're harder to get. I know the boys had to really dig and dig for weeks and weeks and weeks to get what they felt was figures that were on the button so but you're right um it's been fascinating i always reckon in rugby league you've made it as a million dollar player when no one calls you a million dollar man like no one called jonathan thurston or cameron smith million dollar men because their salary didn't matter everyone just assumed yes they're worth that much (laughs) so but as soon as they call you like david fafita gets that tag all the time and it's a a tag of derision isn't it saying he's not worth it yeah. Crash, I want to break down some numbers with you very shortly, but let's go to the open line now. Damien has phoned through 131355. Damo, morning. Yeah, good morning. Um, yeah, I disagree with you on this one. Sorry, because, yeah, people like Crash mentioned, people like Milford and, um, yeah, Jack Bird, Matt Lodge. I think, are we still paying Matt Lodge at the Broncos? I mean, yeah, we are. Yeah, I think, I think fans have a right to know. They've, you know, we pay money to watch them play so um if someone's getting paid well, three times what they're worth on a five-year deal when they should be on you know a lot less i would say maybe only two years and yeah i think fans have a right to know absolutely Damo, well, thank, Dame, you, thank you for the call yeah crash go well look i have to say i really get damien's point there like matt lodge is probably one of the most overpaid players 
and he is getting money for th from three clubs. Uh, he, the Broncos, yes, they are still paying him. The, uh, the Auckland Warriors paid out his contract, so mm. he's not actually getting money from him right now, but he had a recent settlement, and of course now he's gone to the Roosters and they're paying him as well. And it all adds up to a very hefty fee of just less than a million dollars. Now, I get Damien's point in that it's, you know, uh, there aren't too many negatives to publishing salaries. It's commonplace in America. They can't believe in the United States system that we don't publish salaries all the time. Crash, I, I guess it keeps boards accountable or the recruitment staff accountable because if you're getting a big-name player and, sorry, if you're getting a player on big bucks and you've outlaid that money, now there is a expectation they will perform and live up to that. So have boards spent wisely? And again, I use the example, if you're a member of a club, be it NRL or AFL, you're paying your hard-earned and you're hoping that the board makes the right decisions as far as recruitment is concerned and signing off on these big-ticket salaries. So I, I get it in that sense. But let me put this story to you that Wally Lewis tells often when he went to play in the UK all those years ago and he was on £100,000 which was big, big money back then he'd have prop forwards throwing him the ball on the second tackle going you hit it up £100,000 man, you're getting way more than me you do some work and that's not Wally's job to be hitting it up and taking a ruck taking a ruck up, his job is to be the paymate, so it can cause disharmony among teams Crash it, it, it can, Ben, and, and it's a fair question. I mean, but I think the game has moved past that a little bit. I remember Warwick Kappa, when he came up to play for the Brisbane Lions, he said he would, uh, Bears rather, he would occasionally be sledged by teammates who deliberate, who fed him deliberately dodgy ball and then would give him a bit of a serve. So, but... I think in the era of full-time professionalism, that sort of sentiment is less and less now. And, and, and because if you're committed to the team winning, you've got to get over that. Of course, it bubbles beneath the surface. I know in basketball, Andrew Bogut says in American basketball, when he played, every player is like an individual company. He said they don't have team dinners. Some players can sit on the bench and almost hope someone gets injured so they get more time game, more game time. So. It, there, it will, you'll never stop jealousy in professional sport. But I think, Ben, a lot of the players know what their teammates are on anyway. The public mightn't, but a lot of the managers talk, and, and I reckon players have got a fair idea anyway. Crash Craddock, my guest this morning from the Courier Mail. They are the publishers of The Rich List, the top 100, rich100.com.au. Crash, let's break down some numbers. Five of the top ten in the NRL are halfbacks. David Fafita is the only player in the top ten not part of the spine. That's telling, isn't yes. it? Yes. Oh, it, it is. But there's only ten halfbacks in the list, in the whole hundred. And the good ones are right at the top. And, Ben, that says to me that there's a lot of stabbing in the dark as far as halfbacks concerned. If there's a general lack of creativity in young players now... As the game tries to play the Melbourne Storm way of robotic rugby league and structured rugby league, like I wonder what Alan Langer would, would how he would play if he came back to the game now. The ultimate master of improvisation, the guy that would run to the line not knowing whether he'd 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 chip kick, he'd grubber, or he'd pass. You know, are we like, seeing that now in Cameron Munster? That? I think that's how Munster yeah. plays, isn't it? It is, but there's very few of them. Most mm. of them now are structured players. And I think 
Ben, it, it traces all the way back to even in the schoolroom now, as Darren Lockyer said, kids have been taught to prepare for exams and, and what works in exams as opposed to being, you know, the brilliantly creative and ad hoc yeah. and ad-libbing <laughs> is also drummed out of them in the classroom. So, But I, I do think if you're a young player now and you're a creative, quick-thinking halfback, the world is your oyster, honestly. We've seen Chad Townsend be reinvented at the Cowboys, you know, and they're just gold. A good young halfback is is gold. Final one, Crash, before, times beats us, before time beats us. Do, do, they, do they spend their money wisely? I know you've got a pub test or maybe a car park test when it comes to players and how they actually spend their, their money. <laughs> it was told also. to us by a coach, Ben, and I want to bounce this off you, see whether you think it's true or false, and I'll bounce it off the listeners if you think it's true or false. Yeah. If you want to see, a pl- to know whether a player is living within his means, see what car he arrives at at training. And if he's a low-level player and he arrives in a, in a Holden Barina, you're saying, good lad, you're spending wisely. <laughs> but if he's only on a couple of hundred and he arrives with the flashy BMW with all the trimmings, uh-oh. <laughs> and conversely, Ben, if you've got a million-dollar man arrives and he... And he ducks in in a little Suzuki Swift, is he being too frugal? That's <laughs> <laughs> very true. The car the car park test. Don't, don't worry about the pub test. The car park test. Crash, it is always good to chat to you. We should do it more often. Um, we will keep delving into this uh, Rich 100 list and, of course, we can catch it. Rich100.com.au if you missed it over the weekend. Crash, good talking to you. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Ben. And don't if you think they're being overpaid, never forget this. If you combined every salary of every rugby league player in the competition next year and threw it in a bucket, that's what Cam Smith gets for signing his name to join Greg Norman if he's done it. $140 million. He's doing all right. Thanks, Ben. See you, see you soon. <laughs> Crash, what a point. How good is that? That's right. Cameron Smith could buy the NRL. We're talking Cameron Smith, the golfer. Cameron, Cameron Smith, the league player, could probably... Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't know his contract here at SEM, but I'm sure. I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure it's not bad. Uh, listen, last word on this one too as we creep up to uh, 16 away from 11. I'm a big believer of what you're worth is what someone is willing to pay for you. It's a bit like your house. You think your house might be worth something, but it's really what only someone is willing to pay. It's the struggling clubs that meet the market or, in fact, set the market because they're the ones who have to pay overs for players to attract them. Final word on that. I'll leave it to you, though. 13-13 at 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Call 13 13 55 or text 0467 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport. 693 SENQ. 11 away from 11 this Monday morning. That's the number you need, 13 13 55. When you hear the Brisbane Lions team song play, be the first caller through and we have tickets to give away for Friday night's blockbuster, the Demons and the Lions at the Gabba. I can't remember a bigger game. I can't remember a bigger Friday night in this city because within five minutes and five Ks apart, you've got the Lions and Demons playing and then you've got the Broncos and Storm at Suncorp Stadium. But what does this game mean for the Brisbane Lions? Let's head inside the Lions' den and speak to a man who has the same name as his team in Jared. Lions, Jared. I don't know where I was going there. Good morning, mate. Thanks for joining us on SENQ. (laughs) Morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Mate, um, before we talk demons, let's talk saints and sins because there were a few on uh, Friday night. You just 
scrape home. And I say that because if Max King had his kicking boots on, it could have been a, a very different story this Monday morning. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, a really tough game of footy. Obviously, uh, a lot on the line for both sides. Um, yeah, they, they came us pretty hard in that third quarter. And um, sort of, I guess, that, that last quarter, we knew we needed to just settle. And um, obviously, uh, Cam Rayner stood up, and uh, that's what we did. Outstanding. It was Cam who got you home. Now, mate, I know we've got you on daddy daycare duties. Who, who have you got with you? I've just got my little daughter there. Sorry, I was just putting her in a high no, chair. No, 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 do not, do not apologise. <laughs> yeah. We're keeping it real. This yeah. is good. Feeding time too in the high chair, I bet. This is going to be good. It's it going to be fun. Bit of, bit of wiggles on. Nah, oh. she'll be okay. She's oh. a good girl. I like the wiggles. Captain Feathersaw, <laughs> one of our favourites. Now, Jared, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a handle on, on you guys because I'm torn. Over the last month, you've played some fantastic footy, some of the best we've ever seen under Chris Fagan. And I think you're getting battle-hardened. I think you're playing finals-like footy. But then there's just these fade-outs that, that go away. But you find a way to win. Now, that's why I'm torn. I don't know whether they're convincing or whether they're just building to something. What's the feeling like within the group, inside the four walls? Yeah, I think uh, we're obviously trying to keep it positive. We've played some... Uh some great footy. Um, I think it's tough when you when you do get a lead. It's, I guess yeah, twenty, thirty, forty points. Teams come out and um, they've really got nothing to lose. So they they obviously can throw everything um, everything at us. And if we just don't get it quite right, it can it can turn pretty quick. Um, especially with these new rules, the six, six, and six, and and things like that. So um, yeah, it is. I think games swing in terms of momentum a lot and uh, obviously we've just got to get better at probably not allowing that four or five, three, four or five goals rather than if you just give up a couple and then you can shut the game down and um, which is obviously getting harder to do these days but um, yeah I mean we're playing some great footy and I think we've won uh, three out of our last four or something like that mm. so um, yeah we, we obviously got a couple of issues to tidy up on um, but we're certainly working behind the scenes to do that. Well, mate, it doesn't get any tougher than this Friday night, does it? I mean, the last time you played Melbourne, it was probably the biggest defeat you've had in four years under Fag. 64 points in a long time. You haven't had a 10-goal uh, trouncing like that. Now, their midfield, which is right where you are, Petrarca, Oliver uh, and Viney, they went to town 30 touches each, but you had no Zorko and you had no Zach Bailey. This time it's going to be a bit different. Yeah, and I think I only... I only played about a half in that game too. So, um, yeah, it's obviously we, we took a lot out of that game. And um, I guess since then we've sort of put a little bit of a line in the sand in terms of um, our midfield group. And I think as mid, a lot of the numbers have uh, improved since that game. So, um, yeah, that's uh, there is a different mix now with Zorks and, and Bales back in the team. But um, we'll certainly look back on that. And um, I guess we'll take a lot out of that because that was a, a really disappointing night for our footy club. Mate, we hope you do. We hope it's lessons learned and we will be cheering you on come Friday night. We appreciate your time and appreciate you taking time out from the Wiggles to chat to us this morning. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for having me, Benny. Appreciate it. Good on you, JL. Jared Lyons there from the Brisbane Lions, gun midfielder. And if you would like to see them this Friday night in person, now's your opportunity. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Call 13 13 55 or text 0467 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport. 693 SENQ. We are the pride of Brisbane.
Uh, yeah, that's the button I was supposed to press before going to the ad break. But Matty picked up on it, so did uh, plenty of callers too, but he was quick off the trigger, 13, 13, 55. Matt, good morning to you. You're, hey, off, ben. you're off to the Lions this Friday night. Are you a Lions fan? Uh, not really, but my wife is massive, <laughs> massive Lions fan. <laughs> well, that's good. You can take her, I hope. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm rugby league and she's AFL. Well, there you go. You're going to have the best of both worlds on Friday night. You'll be able to see it. The Demons and the Lions, one of the last tickets in town. Matty, thank you. 13-13-55. Happy wife, happy life. We're happy too. Mal Meninga joins the SENQ family straight after the news with Vanessa. Now on SENQ 693am, all the news and views from a big weekend in sport. Mornings with Ben Davis. 131355. It's the number you need if you have questions for Mal Meninga. That's right, the Kangaroos coach standing by. We'll get to him very, very shortly. Joining the SENQ family. So many questions to ask. What does it come down to when it comes to picking an Australian team? Will it be loyalty? They haven't. They haven't played since 2019. Will origin form count? Will finals form count? In fact, what would you like to see? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Put your coach's hat on. If you were Mel Meninga, who would you be picking for the upcoming World Cup? 13, 13, 55. Uh, Look, I've got to recap this. I've got to talk about this because the beginning of the program, if you're just joining us for the first time today, was... Some of the most powerful radio I have ever been involved with. And that's not blowing my own trumpet at all. It was to do with talking. We have to talk. And it's in light of what's happened to Paul Green's family, but not just Greeny's family, but to families all over the country. Because every day in this country, eight Australians take their own life. And on top of that, there's 30 other attempts to take lives. Jake Edwards from outside the locker room was inside the studio. We spoke face-to-face, spoke about the questions you need to ask your mates, your family members, how to ask them. The language is important. The environment is important. And if you don't get the answer you need, the answer you're looking for, what's the next thing you need to ask? Head to the app, our app, SEN, download the podcast. You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your wherever you get your downloads, your podcasts, because that's where you'll find it. There's been so much chat about this in rugby league. There's been over the last well, over the last three or four days. And we know that Paul Green had an effect on so many clubs, but his crowning glory was in 2015 with the Cowboys. Jason Tomalolo, the current Cowboys captain, he was part of Greeny's premiership winning team. And, well, he spoke post-match after their loss to the Roosters about the impact of mental health on their team. Everyone should be have someone to talk to, and um, regardless of how big or small the problem is, and uh, no one should have to... Um, carry that sort of pressure around with them um, you know we have a tight-knit group and uh, I know rugby league teams and um, different NRL teams have uh, their own little group and 
you know, I just hope that um, whatever, if anyone's going through something, that that they have someone that they can talk to about, um, you know, any problems. Yeah, Jason Tomalolo, it's, it is. It's about making those conversations, making time. Jake Edwards said that because I said to him, mate, we, we can we can talk and ask these questions, but it was about the environment, about sitting down, about looking at someone face-to-face. I said, but who has time for that now? He said, don't give me those excuses. They're just excuses. Make time. Because there is there anything more important than the time we spend with someone until they go? And he makes a very good point. Kevin Walters raised the issue on Friday about the support within the game. Is there enough support? He has asked the NRL for more support within the game. And here's Todd Payton's take on this. The club and the league have been great with the resources that they provided us as a group. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, Jace has just touched on it. Everyone is affected differently. Some will have a range of emotions at different times. Some will feel it immediately. Some feel it maybe a few days later. Some might be a couple of weeks. So um, it's our job. It's my job to make sure that we keep an eye out for each other, um, that everyone feels comfortable, that they can you know, come and see me or you know, someone within the club that can, they can get some help. There we go, Todd Payton, who was also Paul Green's assistant in 2015. So he has been touched by this. So many have. And today, while we do remember Greeny and while we do continue conversations, it's about moving forward. What can we do for those who are left behind, not just in Paul's case, but in everyday's case, everyday case, everyday life with your families, with your friends? What are the signs to look for? What are the conversations that need to be had? It is about talking. It is about being more than just, hey, you okay, mate? That language is invaluable. Jake Edwards spoke to us about this, a man who's been there, who's been on the edge, who's actually attempted to take his own life, but survived. And now he is devoting his life into making sure that others don't get to the point where he was. The language is all important. While we talk, it's how we talk. It's not just asking, hey, mate, how are you going? Get rid of the slang. How are you? It's the same question, but it's put a very different way. It's about unlocking it. And speaking out, it's something that has been done across the NRL. I know that Paul Green, he started his NRL journey with the Cronulla Sharks. Nico Hines speaking after the game. I just give a quick shout out to uh, Paul Green's family. All of us here at the Sharks are thinking of you and... Um, you know, it's an important part of this club and uh, yeah, I just want to pay my respects and send our condolences. condolences to you guys. We're thinking of you. Uh, you know, we need to... It's IUK Day every year. It's coming up soon, but I think we need to IUK Day every single day of the year. We need to think about it a bit more and spread the message of mental health. It's such an important thing at the moment. So, um, yeah, once again, send our love to you guys. Yeah, well said. Nico Hines uh, from the Sharks speaking on behalf of not only him, his team, his family... Uh, but all of us in the rugby league world. And he makes a point, and we, we spoke about it with Jake earlier, about a round. We, we, have, we have magic round, we have indigenous round, we have women in league round. It should be a mental health round, shouldn't there? Not just in NRL, AFL. I know this is something I've spoken to Michael Kaspervich around, about in cricket. He's proposing a blue test. We have the pink test. But what about the blue test? To talk about men's health, and not just mental health. Everything that us as blokes were hopeless at. 
going to doctors, talking. But it's what we need to do. We need to talk. 131355. It's the open line and your line to Mel Meninga because I have been looking forward to this all week. Nothing in rugby league this man hasn't done. And you know what? If he hasn't done it, it's not worth talking about. He's won premierships, origin series, test series, world cups. And then he coached origin series wins, test wins, world cups. How good is this? He's the Maroons Messiah. He is an immortal. He is Mal Meninga. Mal, very good morning to you. Welcome to the SCNQ family. Yeah, thank you, Benny. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. And wonderful introduction. Thank you. Makes <laughs> me feel good. Got my chest pumped out at the moment. Thank you. Yeah, well, see, I couldn't read your writing on some of those last words. That's why I was trying to stumble through. <laughs> no, sorry. No, 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 no. Right. Hey. Right. Yeah, thanks. Mal, the, the, the most pressing thing I'm tipping on your mind is the upcoming World Cup. As Kangaroos coach, you've got an entire league to pick from. First question to you. What do you base it on? We haven't had a Kangaroos team for a number of years. Can you still base it on loyalty? Do you base it on origin form? Or do you look at finals form? Uh, ben, well, that, good question. I mean, the first thing I think, you know, you know, obviously in the international space at the at the moment, really the topical thing is around eligibility. So the first thing I judge it on is actually who wants to play for the Kangaroos? You know, who wants to put a green and gold jersey on? I think that's really important because you actually got to have a passion for it. So I don't mind, you know, players putting their hand up for their ancestral nations, particularly the Pacific Islands, or Victor Radley, you know, putting his hand up for, for England. I, I, I like that. I like that because that's actually going to make the international game a lot stronger. So that's the first the first thing I, I need to know is, you know, who actually wants to play for Australia? Um, so, which is strange, I know. I know, but that's the, the world we live in now. So... Um, well, tell then, me about those conversations, that, Mel. Do, do you do you have to sound players out? Do they come to you with that? How no, does that work? No, Ben. No, Ben. No, I don't want to do that. I don't think that's my role. Um, you know, I want genuine candidates. Obviously, you know, I think that's really important. We get over there and we're playing in a World Cup. I want players that actually want to be there. I don't want mm. players that are um and ahhing about you know who they who they want to play for. You know, basically. So, yeah, no, it's it's I don't go chase them. Um, other nations may, but not in my point of view. I just think that they should, you know, just put their hand up and play for the, the national team, which is Australia. So, I mean, um, that's how I base my first, you know, concept of actually, you know, playing for the, playing the green gold jersey. Mal, are there players that you did want that have indicated that they will be playing for other nations? Yeah, not really. But to be honest with you, I mean, I shouldn't. So not really. I mean, they're all, they all would be welcomed. You know, obviously, you know, the Penrith boys, uh, you know, the Samoan guys. Um, you know, Joshua Parley wants to play for Samoa as well. Junior Parlo wants to play for Samoa. You know, so they're getting a really good team together. Watch out England. You know, they play in the first game. Uh, England and Samoa play, you know, to kick off the World Cup. So watch out England, you know, because they'll have a fairly competitive side, you know. So, yeah, not not really. Um, like, I'm, like I said before, I'm really comfortable with the fact that, you know, players are, um, are moving on to other nations and they got more passion to do that. So I'm comfortable with that. Like I say, um, we'll have a really strong team, Ben. There's no doubt about that. And they'll have players, you know, playing for the right reasons. Mal, how much will origin form count when you come to pick your team? Oh, I think I think it'll play a you know, pretty important uh, component of it all, particularly the younger ones, you know, like guys like your young Selwyn Cobbo and, Jeremiah Nanai, you know, those sort of guys. I think, you know, I can, we understand now they can play at that level, you know. 
Origin, Origin's obviously it's the beast, and you know obviously you've got to be talented to, uh, to get picked in Origin, but to actually perform at that level is is exceptional. And then, you know, Australian the international space is a little bit different to Origin. Obviously, yeah, it's, a, it's it's a little bit slower, but it's goddamn tough footy, you know, mm. and uh, it just gives you a really good appreciation of those young ones can actually handle. If they handle Origin, they can put, they can certainly handle uh, the national game. So yeah, I think that plays an important part. Um, unfortunately, I mean loyalty doesn't because you know when we actually get over there, it's you know, three years in the making since our last game. So I mean, there's a lot of a lot of water under the bridge, unfortunately. So then obviously final success through the year plays a really important part too. So um, Origin is it's part of it, but um, that club form is going to be enormous as well. Before we get into that, Mal, you just mentioned the name Selwyn Cobbo, and we look at and Jeremiah and I, another. I mean, they're teenagers, and then you see someone like a Joseph Suwali. Are they, are they names that you're genuinely looking at? Is that, do you, do you take one or all of them to be part of? I don't know their development. Do you have that luxury when it comes to a World no. Cup? No, no, I don't, I don't think international selection um, should go down that. That way either. I believe that they are the best of the best, you know. So if, you know, Selwyn or, you know, um, Joseph Sawali are the best wingers, you know, in their uh, at that time in their position in their, in their competition, mm. I think they earn your selection. So that's how I look at things. They've got to be you know, the best in their positions at that particular time. And at the moment, they're they're putting their hand up. Uh, you know, Selwyn hat trick on the weekend. Sawali played really good footy. They're both brave players, courageous, you know, um, exciting, good to watch, you know, so defensively outstanding, so, and very good in the air, air as well. So, yeah, there's, they're certainly in the picture, there's no doubt about it, but you, you've got to earn your, your selection as far as I'm concerned. Okay, well, you mentioned about finals form. You have a look at Manly. They're not playing finals now after their performance on the weekend against the Titans. So, no DCE, the Trevojevic's. Um, um, how does that affect your selection? Uh, ben, I, I don't think it affects it at all. Um, obviously, they've been there, done that before. Um, their origin, their origin form was excellent. You know, you know, Daly Cherry Evans was very, you know led the side extremely well, and Jake, you know, come back into game two. Look at look at the impact he had. It's it good. They're good to have around experience. So you've got to get your balance right. Obviously, you know, with with youth and experience. Um, but again, I believe Daly's, you know, in the, the top two halfbacks in the competition. I reckon Jake's the they're one of the best uh, middles in in the game. So I mean, they would they would earn their earn their selection if we were picking you know the, the squad tomorrow. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it's we're going to pick twenty four, um, which is it is difficult. You know, pick twenty four. I mean, uh, I, I work on it nearly every day about what that twenty four might look like. But it is difficult. Does it change it every day? Uh, it changes most weeks, and about every day, but most weeks definitely after weekend's performances and stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, the, the, some really good performances in the Storm and Rabbitohs and Roosters sides, eh, that um, all of a sudden um, excites me, you know. Sawali was, like I said, really good. Uh, the big three at the Rabbitohs with you know, Damien Cook, you know, Luttrell and Cody Walker were excellent. And Munster was a genius, wasn't he? There's a storm. Oh, he is. He's a mad genius. Yeah, playing in a unfamiliar, well, not an unfamiliar position, but playing out of position, you know. So, I mean, yeah, so impressive performances on the weekend. And, you know, that's what you want from your players, don't you, leading into finals. There's only three rounds to go. So, your, your big players are starting to stand up in games. So, 
for me, um, you know, being you know, from the Australian point of view, that's excellent. You know, it's excellent. Your big name players are starting to hit form at the right time of the year. You know, pushing with their teams into the finals. You know, hopefully playing grand final and then taking that confidence and form into a World Cup. Um, you know, that's that's what you want. That's what you want as a as a coach of the national squad. You are listening to the dulcet tones of Mal Meninga. You'll be able to hear him every Monday morning at 11am here on SENQ, 693 AM, Queensland's new home of sport. Mal? Uh, please, don't, please don't make me sing, though. Please. <laughs> hey, this is music to our ears. It is it is liquid <laughs> gold, Mal. It is liquid, liquid gold. Liquid gold. Yeah. Okay. Tell me. All right. Thank you. Of those 24 positions that you have to pick or players you have to pick, which position keeps you awake at night? Oh, there's no doubt the hookers. There's <laughs> such a array of fantastic hookers. You know, you look at again, you look at Origin, but every every week, you know, Harry Grant played really well mm. um, on the weekend. Benny Hunt keeps on braining them, but at seven, you know, uh, but his his Origin form was fantastic. And then you got Damien Cook starting to. I just mentioned, you know, with the Rabbitohs, you know, starting to come to the fore. Um, and you got Happy Coruscant, you know, with the Penrith side, who just keep on. Winning games, they weren't so good on the weekend, but you know they, they were missing three of the four uh, spines. So you know, and then I, I've got a high, a high um, opinion of um, Reese Robson as well, who actually made the New South Wales squad in game three. So I, you know, and then the Cowboys are doing really well this year as well. So I mean, and hopefully well into the finals as well. You know, so yeah, I've got five. I've got five. I reckon wow. Lennon, you know, hookers and probably. You probably could only take two, you know. In my experience on tours, you probably mm. need two hookers. So, yeah, two out of two out of five don't fit. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be difficult. Reese Robson, there, there's a smokey for us. We'll be jotting that down and keeping an eye on him. We yeah. know, yeah, you're right. He was called into the the, the Cowboys, oh, the Cowboys, the the Blues uh, side, or oh, into their squad, yeah, yeah and um, has been playing he's some had a good footy. Yeah, you know, he's had a great year. Like all year, he's been terrific. You know, so. You know, and that's and the hooker is such an important position in your footy team. They touch the yeah. ball the most of anyone, so they're the ones that make most of the decisions. You know, to which way the ball goes. So I mean, he's doing a terrific job. He's a good runner from dummy half, and he's starting to get the subtleties of the number nine really good as well. So yeah, he's he's got a little good little short game, a kicking game too. So yeah, he come. I think he comes into calculation great defensively. Mel, is it too far of a stretch to say that you've pretty much got to pick your hooker and then build the team around that? Because to, to me, if you if you go a, a direct hooker, say a say a, a Damian Cooker and Appy Coruscant, that's or and Harry Grant, they're, they're hookers, they're genuine number nights. But yeah. then if you go a Ben yeah. Hunt, he gives you options about playing in halves and and being a third ball player on the field. So is that is that where you will have to pick? and choose who your number nine would be about what style of play and the players you want around? Yeah, that, that does play a, a part. Um, you know, so depending on your forwards and, you know, you know, I think we'll, we'll have a really big mobile forward pack, you know, going forward. So, I mean, you want a, a hooker that can bring those forwards onto the football. So the sufflies around your nine um, become really critical. Mm. Um, obviously, defensively, you got to be sound, you know, because you are a target. You know, your nine, seven, six are generally targets. Um, that's where all the big fellows tend to run at at all the time. So defensively, you've got to be good. Um, you've got to be a good runner, because you know um, you want a, a running, running nine that's 
I think where Queensland got it right, you know, uh, with Ben and with Harry Grant, you know, yeah. the changing, I think you know, the, that decision was excellent. And then I reckon you, I'm a big fan of a nine that can kick as well out of dummy half, you know, so I'm a fan. If you can kick uh, the ball, um, it allows on-field chase, you know, with your team and all of a sudden, um, and that's not expected as well. Like Cameron Smith's obviously the best hooker that's ever played the game and mm. he had all those all-round skills and he, obviously there's no Cameron Smith as well. at the moment. Sorry? A left footer as well. Left footer kicking. Left, yeah, left footer. Yeah. Oh, he's perfect. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was a perfect custodian of the nine. There's no doubt about that. And But, you know, the, I think, you know, if you have those sort of skill sets, I think that is really important for your footy team, you know. And, um, yeah, you just – you pick – but then you then at the same time as you go back to the start of our conversations, you know, your best your best hooker should get picked. You know, I mean, then you, you build – you build something around that as well, you know. So, but I just think we've got big mobile forwards. Um, we've got plenty of skill and good footwork. So, you know, um, and but then they'll create some quick, quick play the ball. So, if you've got good runners and good kickers out of dummy half, I think you're on the right path there. So, that means every one of those, doesn't it? Those five guys can do that. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, I was trying to cross some off the list, but. <laughs> But, I, but that's why I think Benny Hunt was so good starting to Queensland because yeah. he has got a good kicking game, being a seven. You know, all of a sudden, yep. he kicks out a dummy half, and particularly early in the game, and that sort of helps you with, the, with your field position. So I know Benny's a reluctant nine, um, but then the other part of your question was around flexibility. Yes, adaptability. I think that's important in touring teams. So it's not only the nine who can play, you know, seven or six or, you know, play a 13 role, but also... A lot of your outside backs and your forwards have got to be adaptable and flexible too. Like a middle can play to an edge and edge back row, and then your centres can go go and play in your wing or play your full back, or your your five eight can go and play centres. You know, so all that all that has to come into consideration. I reckon um, we'll have you know if we go all the way, we'll play six games. Like you've got three qualifiers, so you want to be trying to play every player to give them every opportunity to, to make you know the finals final team. So um, and giving them um, time in different positions, I think, works a treat because then you've got, you know, we go into you know, semis and grand finals mm. of World Cups. You've got, you know, players that have played good game time, but also, you know, you can trust them to play a number of positions if you get injured, injuries, you know, through the, through the game. It is a fascinating insight inside the mind of the Kangaroos coach coming up to the World Cup. Mal, before I let you go, it'd be remiss of me not to ask and speak about the Titans. The senior consultant of high performance is that what's on the business card for you? Ah, uh, no, it's not. It's uh, senior advisor. Senior but, advisor. But you know, it was, it was originally the, the high performance and culture. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, we've had a challenging year, Ben. Um, they played really well on the weekend. You know, starting to find their feet, but you know, yeah, much too late. Yeah, it's been a disappointing year for us, but still, still pretty happy about the way the Titans are going behind the scenes. You know, so really comfortable in the fact that all our the foundation our development programs, our community programs, our commercial programs are, are probably running really nice. We've just got to get some wins on the field, mate. And that's how you get judged, I guess. And um, we, we bought well. Um, I think, you know, as young Sam Bells and Kieran Foran come into the club, that's going to add, add some experience to where we needed it. Mm. Um, it helped teach our young ones as well. But, you know, I'm still very, really optimistic about, you know, the way we're developing behind the scenes and I'm pretty comfortable with the fact that I think we'll have a really good year next year. Final one to you, Mal. What do you do differently next year with the Titans? 
Me? Um, mm. Well, well, hopefully have a bit more input. That's that's what I'm, I'm I'll be looking for. Um, it's been difficult the last couple of years with COVID, and um, you know I live down in Canberra, so you know that's no excuse. Obviously, try to have a bit more input behind the scenes. I think that's important from where I feel a bit more comfortable with you know, my contribution to to the day to day stuff. You know, it's hard to hard to get a feel for things you're not there day to day. So yeah, and it's. It's either, you know, be there, be there a bit more often, I think, is probably uh, where I should you know, try to focus myself. We look forward to it, mate, and we look forward to chatting to you next Monday as well because, you know, what, we've got another round of footy to go and then everything may change again. You'll have a, another 24 well, names to go through. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, well, it's, it's really good. It's really encouraging. I just, yeah. you know, just looking at the top eight at the moment, it's, it's, the Raiders are still a chance, mate, you know. So, oh, you'd be um, happy with that too. They are still a chance. Week to week. Yes. Sorry? You, there's still a chance you'd be happy with that, the Raiders. Oh yeah, well, they, I think their draw at the back end of the year is very manageable, you know. So mm. there's a few there's a few teams at the the bottom end of the eight that's under under the pump at the moment, particularly the Eels. You know, so I think um, like round 24 we've got the Eels playing against the Broncos. I think that might be a a game that might might seal either one of those two teams' favour, particularly if the Raiders keep on keep on winning. You know, so the for and against is still pretty good. So I don't think it's over yet, though. I, do, I think you know the, I think the Roosters are on a bit of a roll, but it's you know the, the Bronx and the Eels are under the most pump, under the most pressure, I think, and um, need to get a, some you know, at least two wins, I reckon, to back end of the year to, to seal up their their spots. There we go. The thoughts of Mel Meninga, mate. It has been an absolute pleasure. Looking forward again already to next week at this time. Uh, you be good. Enjoy watching the footy, and we'll chat to you next Monday. I appreciate it, Ben. Thank you. There we go. Mal Meninga here on SENQ, 6.93 a.m. Queensland's new home of sport. If you've got questions for Mal Meninga, put them in the bank. We'll be doing it every Monday from here on in at 11 o'clock. Right now, 29 past 11 this Monday morning. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Call 13 13 55 or text 0467 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport. 693 SENQ. Yeah, 25 away from 11. Just the morning is flying. Let's get a news hit with Vanessa Gibson. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Call 13 13 55 or text 0467 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport. 693 SENQ. Yeah, thanks for your company this Monday morning. We've had a packed show. Still a bit more to come, though. We've got the NRLW kicking off this weekend. We'll head down the M1 and touch base with the Titans as they prepare to take on the Dragons in the first round. But we do need to touch on the Wallabies. I know if you're a rugby fan, you probably don't want to be talking about what happened in Argentina. It was the biggest loss to Argentina, the Wallabies ex- had experienced since the 80s. 48 to 17, 31 points. Seven tries were scored against Australia, four of them from kicks. I know Dave Rennie was tinkering with the side, well, forced to tinker with the side. There was no Michael Hooper. Quade Cooper, his season, perhaps his World Cup is over rupturing his Achilles the week before. But James O'Connor going into the number 10 and then tinkering with the back, Jordan Pattire on the wing. It just seemed very disjointed. Dave Rennie, he fronted the media after 
A loss in Argentina. This is what he had to say. You know, when I'm looking for excuses, uh, you know, this team prepared well. You know, we, um, you know, we lacked a bit of cohesion. And as we talked about, if we were a bit more clinical, if we hadn't um, maybe given up soft tries, especially early, then um, she's a different game. So oh, we've got to be better. We've got to own that. Uh, it's on us as, as coaches. It's on the, on the players. Yeah, they do have to own it. They've got a long flight back uh, to figure it all out. Maybe there needs to be a change of 10. Look, I'm a massive James O'Connor fan. I think his story coming back to this level is one of the best redemption stories we've seen in a long time in Australian sport. He's a Queenslander. I will always back him, but maybe we need to see a change at 10. I would like to see Jordan Pretire at fullback as well. We, we need to see. He's had one shot there. We need to see our 15 and our 10 start to build combinations heading into the World Cup. And I say that, it's 12 months away in France. But what we're seeing right now, I don't have too much faith in it. Maybe it's Noah Lolesio who comes back into, or Lolesio, how that uh, comes back into calculations. He's only young. And I know why James O'Connor was there at 10, to steer them around. There was a lot of experience missing from that team after Quade Cooper and Michael Hooper uh, were not part of that. But maybe we need to let the kids loose. Maybe we need to see the next generation of Wallabies come through. Your thoughts? 13 13 55 736 is the text line. We're coming up to 20 minutes away from 11. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Call 13 13 55 or text 0467 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport. 693 SENQ. Yeah, quarter to midday here on SENQ. Jimmy Smith picking up the ball after we throw it into a gap that he can run into a mile wide. Well, that's the plan anyway after midday. This Friday night, we've been talking about it all morning. It is going to be an absolute blockbuster here in Brisbane. Five minutes and five kilometres apart. You've got the Lions and Demons at the Gabba. That is going to have massive ramifications on both teams and where they finish and then what their September looks like. Across at Suncorp, five minutes later, the Broncos will be kicking off against the Storm. Again, massive ramifications for what that looks like going forward, probably more so for Brisbane. If they can get a win over the storm, then that sets up a good run home and a good run into the finals. Can they win it as in the whole shebang? Well, we have hope. It gives us hope. But they can go deep and they can cause trouble. Kevin Walters speaking after the night's match on Saturday about what the next few weeks looks like. Well, yeah, it's not about, about actually about who we're playing. It's more about us and, and our development. Um, you know, I thought the second half we created some good opportunities and just didn't sort of capitalise on those. Um, defensively, we were pretty good. There was a, that one try they got uh, picked up two tries in the second half, um, which again, you know, we've got to be be certain to be better. But I thought our first half defence was was really good and. Um, and we scored some good tries too from some nice attacking plays, which is, again, you need that artillery at this time of the year to, to get yourself over the line. There we go. Kevin Walters speaking after the Brisbane Broncos win over the Knights uh, leading into what's going to be a very, very testing couple of weeks for them. But the big one is Friday night against the Storm. This weekend, NRLW also kicks off. That's right. This season, it's rolled around very quick. We've got... 
the Roosters and Parramatta Saturday afternoon. And then come Sunday, both Queensland teams, the Titans and Broncos, will be in action. Let's head down the M1 now where we catch up with the Titans. NRLW hooker Lauren Brown. She's getting ready to face the Dragons down at Wollongong. Lauren, happy Monday to you. She's not long now until the season kicks off for you. Hello, Ben. Happy Monday. I know it's uh, officially game week and I'm so pumped. I, um, I can't wait for this weekend. Yes, and with a new team, your hometown team now that you've headed back down the M1. Yes, very excited to be uh, able to rep my home team. Um, I had obviously a great time up at the Broncos, but I'm just uh, really passionate that I can finally represent the Gold Coast and yeah, have the, have the fans supporting. All right, now I've got to ask, how are you coming into <laughs> this game, first game of the season? Because a little birdie who I won't name so I don't get him in trouble, I'd hate to do that to Corey Parker, but he said he saw you on the, <laughs> on the sidelines yesterday at Rabina, and you had a, a splint or a cast or something on your arm. Yes, I. Um, it, it's just mind games, you know. I'm hoping that um, the media are going to send that down to the Dragons and, you know, just put a bit of, bit of doubt in their mind. But, no, I, um, I'll be 100% healthy. Um, I just, yeah, it just hurt, hurt my wrist um, about just under two months ago and um, rushed through, got all my rehab done, and, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be good to go. <laughs> Thanks, Cosa. <laughs> what, did, what did you do, Lauren? What did you do? Um, I had a little fracture in my scaphoid, um, which is technically my hand, just literally falling over with outstretched arms. Um, and yeah, a little nasty bone in there, the scaphoid. So I had surgery on it about uh, six weeks ago. All right. Well, fingers crossed that you are right. I think you're being very coy about this because <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you don't want to give any ammo uh, to the Dragons come Sunday. Now, what was the lure of he- of heading? I know it's a hometown for you, the Gold Coast, but you had so much success with the Broncos, place play, the grand final in 2020. What about heading to the coast? What was the lure there? Um, there actually, there are a couple. Um, the appointment of having Karen Murphy as head coach um, was a massive one for me. I've been in a couple teams um, where she's been a mentor or an assistant coach role and um, absolutely loved it. So I'm, I was really excited to see her get the opportunity to be a head coach. Um, there was that. And also uh, the club offered me a position um, in their commercial partnerships um, team and their admin side as well. So it's kind of cool to, to be able to see what goes on both sides on and off the field. And, yeah, so it just kind of offered me a bit of stability um, in regards to work too, which helps being able to work around footy and stuff when I'm working at the club. So, yeah, it helped a lot. Yeah, really good carrots. We are speaking to Lauren Brown now, the Gold Coast Titans. It is a new season, new energy. The Titans, NRLW, is back, and they kick it off this weekend against the Dragons down in Wollongong. Now, Lauren, when it comes to doing your oppo on the opposition, what 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 do you – how do you – is it everyone starts fresh this year, or do you look back to what the Dragons have done in the past? Um, yeah, I think you definitely look back at, especially last season, what they've done. I think they were probably one of the best coach teams um, structurally in the comp last season. So I think yeah, you definitely look back and kind of look for little trends and how they were playing because they've majority got the same amount of girls um, that were there last season. So, yeah, we'll just look back and see what they did. But then we'll also look at ourselves and, and see our areas of weakness and where we think teams will try and target us and try and flip that. 
um, into a strength for us. So, yeah, a bit of both, a bit of both, yeah. I love watching the NRLW. I love watching the AFLW as well because as a father of a daughter, it does give pathways for the next generation coming through, thinking and seeing that, hey, this is something that is a reality for me. I I, I can do this. And I know you've done that across a number of sports. You've played uh, professional football, soccer, if you like um, to call that, the Commonwealth Games during Rugby Sevens. You've landed in Rugby League. Why? Why and how did you land in rugby league? What what made you choose that sport out uh, over the others? Yes, um, rugby league was honestly the sport I watched, lived, breathed growing up. Um, but at the time, like I wouldn't have been able to play um, league past the like twelve years old. So mum and dad knew that would break my poor little heart. So then that's when I I went into um, like playing touch and soccer and things like that. And then I. You know, just to, I followed my soccer career, um, and you know, I chose soccer as a pathway. Mm. Did that, um, and then that eventually led into rugby seven. Some of my old touch friends were like, "Hey, you should come, you know, give rugby sevens a go. I think you would really enjoy it." Um, so I went there and absolutely loved it. Um, and then from the mates I made in sevens, and that eventually um, led into league. And I went down to my local club at Burley Bears and just thought I'd give it a go, give a few trainings a go. And I absolutely loved it. I'd never played league before. I watched it, obviously, um, and it's the sport I've always wanted to play. Um, so it's really cool that now I actually get the opportunity to do that. Um, so, yeah, I've never looked back. But it's um, been a really, really cool um, journey, and I think playing all the different sports yeah. um, definitely helps with different skills and things you pick up along the way it's to what help we, your game. And it's what we do as Queensland kids, isn't it? We, we have a go at everything. We try everything. And, and, and now you can try everything, do it, and be in a professional or at least semi-professional uh, environment. And I love that. So it's just it's, – it's basically the – the kid's story growing up in this part of the world moving forward. And I love that you've taken that path. One other path, and we've got to give the business a plug too. Are you still walking the dogs? <laughs> yes, I am. So, uh, Wags Dog Walking, if you want to have a look at uh, Instagram. <laughs> no, that's my um, – so I do a dog walking, dog daycare business. Um, that was my full-time job until um, I took this part-time role with the Titans. So now I'm doing both. Um, but, yeah, still – Still do the dog walking, um, get some helpers to help me in season to, to keep the kilometres down low. Um, but, yeah, dog walking, dog daycare. Do you set yourself a limit of how many dogs you take at once? Yes, yeah. Otherwise, I'll get pulled over onto the road. Um, you know, when I walk, I only normally do about four when I walk. Um, but when I have them for daycare, I have about, you know, 15 15 dogs running around and um, absolutely loving it. <laughs> it's a mad, mad world and I love it. Lauren, good luck for this weekend. <laughs> we will uh, be watching with interest and we'll chat to you as the season goes on. Lauren Brown, outstanding stuff there. From the Titans, you can feel the energy. Become a 2022 Titans NRLW member today. Visit titans.com.au. 21st of August, that's right, Sunday, the first game against the Dragons in Wollongong, six and a half away from 12. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Call 13 13 55 or text 0467 736 736. Queensland's new home of sport. 693 SENQ. Yeah, thanks for your company this Monday morning. Jimmy Smith is standing by to pick up the ball and run with it. A story that I'm sure he'll be picking up on is one that's just developing now and it's coming out of Newcastle. The Knights have launched an investigation after a video 
has emerged of Kalen Ponga and his teammate Kurt Mann being kicked out of a toilet cubicle by security. Now, there's an explanation here. According to Ponga's father, it's being reported that he and his teammates were out celebrating after Kalen bought a new house and he uh, just had a bit too much to drink and was feeling a bit crook. That is the story so far, but this will be developing throughout the day. Keep it locked here on SCNQ 693am at Queensland's new home of sport. You get all those details and much, much more. Thanks for your company this Monday morning. We'll do a little again from 9am next week. Catch you then. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.